Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Let me cut to the chase with an announcement today. The macro trading floor is back. The macro trading floor was one of the most popular macro podcasts out there. I launched it with Andreas Steno in 2022, and it quickly became very popular. I'd like to thank Andreas for the great ride together. By mid-June 2023, I realized I had to focus on other urgent commitments, and therefore we decided to suspend it. But I'm happy to announce that after a nine-month pause, the macro trading floor is back. And with some huge news, the show has a new co-host. The Profile is a former trader for large hedge funds and banks in the US, an amazing rider and a great macro analyst with macro expertise and a focus on FX markets. Did you make your guess who is? If you want to find out who the new co-host is and most importantly, listen to the comeback episode, you have three links in the article pointing you to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast links for the comeback episode of the Macro Trading Floor. The show goes out every Friday from now onwards. So listen to the first episode, su- subscribe in your favorite podcast app, and make sure you tune in every week. In the podcast, we covered several global macro themes and investment opportunities. Macro is back, and it is impacting markets everywhere you look. We discussed, for example, the first chart you see in the article. It shows the market-implied probability distribution for where Fed funds will end in December this year. I derived that market-implied distribution and the table of scenarios from options on the SOFR December 2024 contract. In other words, I'm looking at what fixed income option traders are willing to pay or get paid for different scenarios this year. The distribution is quite interesting. The modal outcome that is the most observed in the distribution, so the highest bar in the chart, is 475 basis points, or only two cuts by the Fed this year. That's even less than the three cuts the Fed projects in their own dot plot. The recession tail in the distribution is pretty thin, 11% probability only. But it still exists, so when you look at the mean outcome of the distribution, there are roughly three cuts priced in, in line with the Federal Reserve. Markets right here are not assigning a meaningful recession premium anymore to bond market pricing and have fully converged with the Fed dot plot here. So with the new co-host of the podcast, we ask ourselves, buy insurance when you can, not when you must. It's a famous motto of bond markets and markets in general. Does it apply here, given that the recession premium has basically been priced away and Buy insurance when you can, not when you must, maybe applies in this situation. Second topic we discussed, all central banks in the world have followed the Fed in a sharp hiking cycle, but not all economies are equipped the same way to handle the effect that higher interest rates bring on their economies. In this episode, we discussed a few of these countries, including Canada. Have a look at the second chart in the article. It shows how the Canadian private debt as a percentage of GDP is larger today than it was in Japan at the peak of the real estate bubble in the late 80s. Nevertheless, the Bank of Canada has raised interest rates aggressively and it is now planning to only ease marginally again following the footsteps of the Fed. We asked ourselves, is that credible? And not only in Canada, but also in other countries. For example, we looked at China as well. Take a look at the third chart in the article. China recently cut the five-year loan prime rate, which is the reference rate used for mortgages, and so the idea was to reduce household borrowing costs for Chinese people. As other policy decisions have failed so far, 
authorities now hope that cutting mortgage costs will do the trick, but history shows that is unlikely to work. In the early 1990s, the Japanese real estate bubble burst and the world's most famous balance sheet recession unfolded. So the Bank of Japan, as a reaction, lowered and kept interest rates around 0% for decades, and nothing happened. If you look at the chart in the article, you can see how Japanese 10-year bond yields dropped from 8% to 1%, and yet, for a decade, Japanese house prices kept falling. That's because when you hit balance sheets hard through a deleveraging process, then you ask people to take on more credit and more mortgages. That's not going to work. Even if interest rates are low, people are in a deleveraging mode and they just refuse to take on new mortgages. In the podcast, as always, we also discussed a few trade ideas on the back of global central banks trying to imitate the Fed even if domestic economies appear much more fragile. The comeback episode of the macro trading floor is here. I discussed a lot of interesting macro topics with the new co-host, actionable investment ideas, and had a ton of fun. There are three links in the article from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So tune in, listen to the comeback episode. The show goes out every Friday. Make sure you subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you get a notification when the episode is out. And make sure you tune in every week. And before you leave, remember that I greatly appreciate your support. So if you enjoyed this piece, please smash the like button at the end of the article. But most importantly, share the piece with your friends and colleagues so the word gets out. After all, this is the free version of the Macro Compass. It doesn't cost anything to share it with friends and colleagues. Have a beautiful weekend, and I'll talk to you again soon here on the Macro